Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're in a series, a new series called uh, Reborn, Made in His Image. So that's what we're going to talk about today is a little bit about identity. Do a little deep dive into that. Hopefully you'll get some, uh, some good nuggets out of that. But, you know, having identity, uh, at least an ID on us, is pretty important. You need it to go on a plane, to drive a car. Um, maybe one day in California, we'll need it to vote. <laughs> Hopefully soon. <laughs> but let me tell you a little quick story about uh, ID. So uh, my wife and I, we always make Saturday morning our uh, coffee date agenda check-in. And so we're on our great coffee date. And believe it or not, in the lovely city of Escondido, we got hijacked. Can you believe that happens? We got hijacked by my youngest daughter, Skyla. <laughs> we got this frantic call that, Dad, I need my ID, my driver's ID. I've got the professional training coming up. You guys have it in the car. And I just thought, as any good dad would, I'd be like, babe, I'm sorry, but maybe you'll learn a lesson this time. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I'm a girl dad. I said, honey, we got your back. We'll be there in five minutes. You don't sweat it. And what did we do? We headed out of there and cut our date short, but I tried to make it up by taking my beautiful bride to Home Depot to finish a project she wanted to finish. But babe, I know that doesn't fly, so I, know you, I owe you another coffee date. <laughs> but my point is identity is important, right? All right. So, you know, if we think about our personal identity, you know, it can be defined as our characteristics, our beliefs, our feelings. What makes us different than everybody else? What makes you, you? And then I want to dive a little deeper into when you have a personality, an identity crisis. What's that look like? Well, first of all, your identity crisis could be a stage or time of life when we start to doubt who we are, where we're at in life, the choices we've made. Is this it? Is this what the rest of my life looks like? And we feel uncertain or confused about our place in the world. Having an identity crisis is not necessarily a bad thing if it causes you to dive deeper into God's word to discover your true identity. And that's what we're going to do today. You know, I was talking to my daughters about this message on identity, and uh, she's like, Dad, whatever you do, don't be talking about gender identity, this, that, and the other. Don't be stirring it up. I was like, oh, man, you wait till the next time I preach. I can't wait to stir it up. There is truth out there, people. We need to speak the truth in love and set some captives free. But I will stick with a different identity. <laughs> So let's explore how we're shaped, how our identity is shaped. It's shaped by us, it's shaped by the world around us, and it's shaped by God. And only he knows our true identity. And when you find your God-given identity, you also will discover your role in bringing kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That is what we're after today. Pastor Quacha knows all about this. The true identity is the goal of this preach. So the title of my message today is Identity Crisis. 
Let's see if they got, oh yeah, look at that, plain, simple, no confusion. I like that. <laughs> Identity crisis. <laughs> so point number one, are we ready? Get the notebooks out, pen, paper. God's going to speak to you more than I'm going to speak to you. So I want you to take that every thought captive. So how would you answer the question if I said, who are you? What if I jumped off this platform right now, stuck the microphone in your face, and just picked a couple of you out and said, who are you? How would you answer that question? I had to think about this as I was preparing this message. You know, I find that most men, you know, we would tend to answer it with our profession and our accomplishments. Women, you know, they might answer the same with what they've accomplished, their profession, but they might go a little more relational. I'm a mother, you know, of three, I'm a wife. But think about that. Those are things that we've done, but who are you? That's the question. Who are you? And how would you answer that? So I started doing a little bit of dive in the Bible about like, God, show me more about identity. You know, what's true identity? And so I started looking throughout the Bible, and there's so many examples of identity crisis in the Bible with our current modern-day Bible heroes. Let's take a few for example. First of all, Moses had a temper that led to murder, you know, and then he had a speech impediment. And then he was full of fear and self-doubts. But God redeemed his deep insecurities and made him a bondage breaker and the leader of the Israelites to the edge of the promised land. That's what he could do with what we perceive of ourselves. What does God see inside of us? Then there's Gideon. An angel appeared to him, you know, threshing wheat in a wine press. Not exactly what that was made for. And the Lord says, you know, I am with you, you mighty man of valor. And how does he reply? Indeed, my clan is the weakest and I am the least in my father's house. What was his identity compared to God's identity of him? So God gave him a new identity and made him a mighty man of valor. That's what God wants to do with us. Take the identity you have of yourself and let's exchange it for God's identity. There are so many other stories. Rahab, a prostitute in Jericho. She hid the spies and just said, can you just save my house? God did more than that. He made her lineage the lineage of Jesus Christ. A prostitute. I mean, God can redeem anything. Paul, God changed his heart from a Christian killer to a Christian converter. I mean, think about that. I don't know if anybody's murdered anything. Don't raise your hand, you know. <laughs> Keep it with you and God, but there's redemption if you have. <laughs> Moses was a murderer, you know. David, I better stop right there. So, okay. So then Peter, how he changed his personality from Simon, which means the reed that sways with any kind of force pushed against it, to Peter, the rock in which I will build my church. I mean, think about that. His name got changed. And there's so many more, like Ruth and Mary. But God loves to be in the business of showing you your true identity and even changing your name from Abram to Abraham, Sarah to Sarah. I mean, we got Jacob to Israel, Saul to Paul, Simon to Peter. It would be like God's looking down at Pastor John and say, you're no longer Pastor John. You're the hammer. You are my instrument that's going to take this word, the nail, drive it through the hearts and minds and soul of my people and hang my identity on them. Now, that's a good name to live up to, right? I think I would change John to the hammer. It sounds pretty cool. So what, what's your God-given name? 
Wouldn't that be fun to explore? Wouldn't that be fun to find out is what has God made you to be in this world? So, yeah, as we start just exploring this, I started unpacking, you know, defining that question, who am I? You know, you start looking at what are your natural talents that God put inside of you that you've had from the beginning? You know, I look back on my life and, uh, you know, I was kind of like a strategic organizer, planner, and like, you know, other kids were like playing out in the street and I would do my fair share of Nerf, you know, wiffle ball, Nerf football games. But then like when I was bored, I'd go in the garage, look at all the clutter, and I'd spend the weekend organizing the garage. What like eight-year-old does that? <laughs> That's like weird. But that was me. So I didn't know it was strategic and organizational and planning skills and all this stuff, but it just started showing up in my life all throughout my life, you know, the leadership. So God's probably given you a hint of what's your natural ability, and you look back all the way to your childhood, you know what? I've always been gifted in that. I've always been good at that. I always think like that. Write that down. Then there's other things. What's your uniqueness? Now, this is why every one of us in here is so different. Because we've got different families, different personalities, different backgrounds, different education, environment, experiences, disappointments that have shaped you up to this point in your life. That's another little hint of your uniqueness, the environment that God puts you in. And so I look back and like, he doesn't waste anything on getting you to your destiny and your purpose. He will use it all for good. God works all things together for good. That's in the Bible. So let's start looking at some of the things that might have shaped you of answering that question, who you are. First of all, limiting beliefs. So again, does anybody have any limiting beliefs in here? You know, just like our Bible heroes had. You know, if someone was to ask me, what was your limiting belief, you know, summed up in one word, I would say it was unworthy. You know, if you looked at, at my past and my background, men get a lot of their validation, their affirmation from their father figure, and I didn't get that. Um, but, you know, it started to play out in my life as performance. Maybe if I'm great at sports and academics and win all the awards, then maybe I'll get the, the love or the approval or affirmation of my father. And then I looked at perfection. You know, my dad was a harsh judge of anything I did, right or wrong, a lot of punishment. But I was like, maybe if I'm perfect, then there won't be anything to him to judge me on. But that led to bad things. It led to good things, a lot of accomplishments, a lot of awards, a lot of medals, a lot of all this kind of stuff. But it also led to a critical spirit. As I was judged, I tend to judge others. The Bible says, do not judge lest you be judged. So I started developing a critical spirit, judgment. I'd always look at how other people did things and like should have been done different. I would have done it different way, could have been done better. And that limiting belief, you know, started to let me know that like, hey, per I can never be perfect, but I'm going to judge people as that they should be perfect. You know, just the other day, my wife decides to paint our sidewalk. And so she is a paint slinger. When she gets her mind on something, it is go time. So I'm in there working on my message, and I come out, and that critical spirit kind of shows up accidentally. I was like, what about that paint blob? There's some dust over there. There's a streak in the paint over there. You see that grass is growing in between the concrete. What about that? And it did not go well. I was told, if you, only, if you don't have anything nice to say, get back in there and work on your message, and you better write something about a critical judging spirit. 
So, babe, I listened. It's in there. It's in there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then, you know, I, I had some trust issues that were limiting belief. Maybe some people in here have trust issues. For me, I really couldn't trust men because I didn't know when they were leaving next. Stepfathers coming and going, no one really wanting to invest in my life. So that led me to not really like trust other men. You know, I've got to live life on my own terms, do things in my own power, because I don't know when that dude's going to still be there when I need him. And so, you know, the, the Bible says, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But I didn't know that verse then. I didn't know to trust in the Lord. He will never let me down. He will never fail me. So if you got any trust issues, start there today. And then communication. You know, I never had a dad to really communicate and, and run life by and get wisdom from uh, until I married into this beautiful family with Glenn Wilson right there. Baby blue shirt, train killer. I tell you what. But pre-Glenn Wilson, communication issues, you know, my wife and I would always struggle in this area because uh, when you got nobody to process with, you go internal. You go thinking, your own dialogue, working things out in your own head. And I discovered that, you know, I wasn't much of a verbal processor. So, uh, so yeah, my wife would also always ask, you know, what are you thinking? Where do you want to lead our family? What are we going to do? You know, where do you want to eat? You know, and I was just thinking and thinking. It's like, you should know what I want. But she doesn't because she can't read my mind. So she's like, communicate. Do you need me to spell that out for you? So I don't know about you gentlemen, but I'm still working on that. I'm still a big thinker. And uh, I use a lot of logic when I need to uh, d use some other things to really help me communicate what I want. So I'm a work in progress up here. And then unemotional. Oh, unemotional, man. I've actually prayed with some men that are in some tough jobs, like uh, police, um, fire department. You know, you might be in the ER. Um, but, you know, the things you see, the things you're exposed to, and how you've got to guard your heart and your mind. Um, but it can lead you to be kind of unemotional. And so, you know, I had a life of playing sports. So you can't, like, get hurt and go cry on the bench to the football coach. You know, and then, like, I got more emotion beat out of me at an all-male military college with type A personalities, so I can't express any emotion there. And then to finish it off, I did two decades in the United States Marine Corps. So, if you wonder why I was unemotional, <laughs> I'm still working on feelings and expressing things, you know. <laughs> I know I go logical when I should go vulnerable. My wife tells me that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, these are some things that could be limiting you in your life. Do an assessment of what is limiting you, your own thoughts, your own doubts, your own fears. And then, you know, let's take a look at what are you speaking over your life? This is one of the most powerful things. You know, God says, you know, in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. So what is coming out of your mouth every week? Have you ever done an assessment? Is somebody in your life catching you on like, man, you don't want to speak that over your life, you know? And so every organization, even some of these big organizations that are meant for good have got things wrong. There's one that has some initials you know, and when someone comes to the platform, the first thing they say is, my name is Joe, and I'm an alcoholic. 
I mean, aren't you trying to say that's the former you, that you've overcome that addiction, that disease? So what are we speaking over our life? Are you speaking life or are you speaking death? You know, when I fought cancer, I had to speak every life verse I know because the devil, devil was whispering other things to me. And you, which voice are you going to give, you know, your words to? I spoke, you know, I am healthy. I am whole. By his stripes, I am healed. I am more than a conqueror. I bind the devil. I've been given all the power on heaven and earth to bind the devil, to release angels, to release healing. Yeah, cancer treatment, you can only target those cancer cells. You can't touch one healthy cell. I mean, I went after it. That's how you go into a fight, into a battle. There might be people here dealing with some things. You don't have to believe and give your amen to that diagnosis. You know, I look back at my family. Every member of my family has had diabetes and suffered from diabetes complications. A lot of them led to death. Do you think that I say that I've got that or I've got a history of that? No, that stopped on my watch. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not buying into that. That's not from God. So it's like you got to start watching your words. You know, don't speak that you're an addict or you're a procrastinator or you're too busy or you have cancer, or ADHD or diabetes or even I don't have enough money. I've been guilty of that enough time or enough friends. You know, a lot of time that logical brain in me, you know, I look at the bank account, I look at the bills, I look at things that we need to pay for. And I look at my bride like, babe, we got to like cut back a little bit. We don't have the, she's like, stop it right now. You are binding God's blessing. So we need people in our life like that. We're speaking limiting things. So I may not be able to see it, but I'm a tither. I give. I give into offering. I can claim tithers' rights. Give God something to work with. You know, I love how God does not respond to our need. He responds to our faith. I was at lunch with my amazing father-in-law, Glenn, and when he said that, it resonated with me, that God does not respond to your need. He responds to your faith. So every time you hear like a tithe message, like I didn't have the money, but I know God said to do it. And I found the money and I did it not knowing what it would look like. Guess what? You activated God when you operated in faith. Amen. Amen. So the action step of point one is just, again, write, write, write down your natural talents, your uniqueness, and then start exploring what are my limiting beliefs. Ask people that are close in your life to help you. What are you saying that's binding? Maybe God's blessing over your life. Amen? All right. That is point one. Are we ready for point two? All right. What do others say about you? Now, if you have the guts to go there, boy, you will really accelerate your life. So biblically, Proverbs 1.5, it says, A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Proverbs 11.14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So if you want to know, where should I go to ask somebody about, you know, what they see in me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let me give you a couple places I would recommend. Whose connect group are you in? Are you in a connect group? One of the greatest things we ever did in this church was join a connect group. 
Not only did we get fed, we got pastored, we got led. We loved it so much. We started a connect group. We started coaching connect groups. And to this day, I still miss that intimate family connect group. So much wisdom flows out of that small church in somebody's home. So go there. And then how about who are you going to Cherish Conference with? That's a good group of ladies to start talking to. They want the best for you. Or men, whose Emerge team are you on? You know, they want the best for you. Or whose team are you serving on at church? Ask that leader. You know, tell me the things that you admire about me. What makes me unique on this team? And then say, I give you permission to speak speak into my life. What are the things you wish I would maybe consider changing? And have the guts to listen. Not to argue, not to defend, just to listen and take it to God and say, God, is this true? Is this something you've been trying to teach me, to help me to overcome, and you're using somebody in my life to communicate it? This is how I've grown. I'm just giving you tips on how I've grown. You know, it was funny in the Marine Corps, uh, they weren't so subtle on this. They did something called the spear eval, had an S on the front, not a peer. Uh, but at the end of, of training, we'd get together with all our type A's. We're all trying to be a Marine officer, trying to one-up each other, uh, trying to be the best leader. And everybody would write on a little slip of paper what they didn't like about someone else. And so we were all given this, a handful of these little handwritten strips of paper by the drill instructor at the end of training. And then the first time you look at it, you're like, that guy's a knucklehead. I know who that jerk is. <laughs> He needs to write that for himself, not me. And then you start seeing a theme as like, wow, that, that's going to benefit me if I take it the right way. That they love me enough to tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. So who do others say that you are? You know, um, you know, when you're trying to discover your own identity, you know, I try to be a better husband, better pastor better father, better friend, better leader. But I need other people to speak into me and tell me the things that, you know, I could be better at. And so I'm going to commit over the next two months, I encourage you to join me, is find those people in your life that you think will give you wise counsel, give them permission, and say, what are the rough areas of me that would make me better if I shave those off a little bit? Imagine if we all did that how much we would grow in the next couple weeks. I'm doing it. I just encourage you guys to do that. So let's see. Uh, Man, so much good stuff here. Just like, you know, your names, um, the name of who you are. You know, I'm Charles Edward Fuller Jr. All throughout the Bible, there's a, I'm the son of so-and-so. I'm the son of so-and-so. And And that was important to God. What's your lineage? What's your legacy? And I I know for me, you know, I didn't have the greatest name to live up to. My, My father had a lot of flaws. Um, I prayed for him every day of my life that he'd work those out, but I think he just judged himself so harsh that uh, he couldn't forgive himself. But like looking that I'm named after him, I said, you know what? I don't have to live that legacy of my family. And some of you may have not have the best legacy of your family, but it's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to break that chain of dysfunction and I'm going to rebrand the fuller name to leaders, to warriors, to spiritual champions that love God with all their heart, that find themselves in church, that lead to discover their new identity so they can be all that Christ created them to be. So I just encourage you guys, you know, if you don't have the greatest past, redefine who you are. Redeem your name. That's what I'm working on. 
You know, one of the greatest, uh, you know, things that, that happened to me is, um, you know, if I look back on my life as I was preparing this message, I was, uh, I was like, you know, God, what was my true belief in me? And uh, it was one word, unworthy. What's your one word? I hope it's positive. I hope you don't have a lot to overcome like, like I do and did. But that word unworthy. And so I, God started helping me unpack that. And I had the guts to, you know, share with my pastors and my friends um, that this is what's holding me back. You know, and it's like a lot of you can like see me and my bride in church. And I just followed the pathways, came to church, back row. I was happy up there. Somebody grabbed me, told me to come down further. I didn't like it. That's a great spot. You're in the dark. Nobody can see you. You're relaxed. Nobody's behind you. So I start inching my way down, you know, asking to be on the high team, then lead the high team. And this whole journey takes place. And so I'm following God's pathways and just love serving his house, love serving his people, not expecting anything out of it. And so all these things start happening, these amazing things. You know, my, my character gets honed. My relationships go to the next level. I mean, the people you will find in this house, I tell you what, they're treasure. Yeah. You know, I always say if, you know, Pastor John and Becky want to move the middle of nowhere, I'm going with you because we're going to establish kingdom there. We're going to have an epic life, great memories, great food. So, but the people you do life with. So I, I did, you know, all this stuff, became a pastor. You know, and I had all these words spoken over me. Ten years old, my grandmother said, you're going to be a pastor one day. About 30 years later, that came to fruition. God was giving me a glimpse of my identity and my future. Then I came into this house following the pathways. And then another pastor said, you're a shepherd of men. And then asked me to lead the men's ministry. I was like, me? Do you know my background? Do you know how many stepfathers I had? Do you know my wounds? And I'm supposed to lead the men? I felt like one of these modern day Bible characters. I felt unworthy, but God had someone speak something over me of who I really am, you know? And then, you know, I had the privilege of just um, being in this house. There was a traveling prophet come in. I was sitting on the second row. He calls me out. God gives him a download. And he said, God's watched you your whole life. You've been fighting. You've been fighting. You've been fighting evil men. You've been fighting for your worth. You're fighting for your value. You're fighting for your country, fighting from freedom for strangers. But God sees you as his fighter. You're God's fighter. And in that moment, I got a new name. That was my name. All of life started to add up. And I went from unworthy to God's fighter. That's my Bible hero story. That's what I live for now. I went to Israel and you can get a ring, custom ring in Hebrew. And instead of going traditional, my name, I said, put God's fighter on there because I want to remember who God sees that I am. And I want everyone in this room to discover and watching online, what is your God name? That's what you need to discover because once you discover it, man, life gets fun. Life gets an adventure. You have passion. You have purpose. You have kingdom calling. You don't wonder about what you're meant to do in this life because you found it. You found your role. God put you in this season, in this community, in this house with these people to do a specific thing. 
Some people are head, feet, hands, whatever it is, you own it and you do it with excellence. That's how you live a rewarding life. And I started reflecting back, you know what, what we're going to be judged for when we get to those pearly gates? What'd you do with all the talent, the gifting, the uniqueness? Did you ever find who I called you to be? Or did you live below your means with what the world said you were? I don't want that to happen to any of us in here. You guys are amazing, one of a kind. Like I've said before, just in one square inch on one finger, nobody will ever have your fingerprint. Do you believe that? You've got to start believing that. You got to know how special you are. You got to declare the promises of God over your life. The devil will constantly be beating you down. But what are you doing to build yourself back up? That's what God wakes up every day. He's like, son, daughter, will you seek me? I've got an epic adventure today. But don't just get busy checking your phone, checking your email, checking your text messages, checking social media. When's the last time you checked on me? This is me getting convicted every day. So I need to do this because the world is that tough place out there. But God has got greatness for us. That's why we preach these messages, to get one more nugget inside of you that'll help you discover your true identity. That's what I get passionate about. So I went from unworthy to God's fighter, and I want you to go from victim to victor. You are God's special son and daughter. He loves you with all his heart. So are we ready for point three. Who does God say I am? Now, this is the most important opinion that will ever matter. Who does God say I am? You can beat yourself up for past, current failures and mistakes. You can live a small life, or you can wake up every morning and imagine God telling you what Rocky Balboa told his son. Would you guys like to know what Rocky Balboa told his son? All right, I'll do my best Rocky. Get ready. All right. <clears throat> I better take some water for this. Wish it was a couple raw eggs, but maybe next preach. All right, here we go. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard a life. But it ain't about how hard you're hit. It's about hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning's done. Two years ago, I took the biggest beating of my life. I took it in health. I took it in my father dying. All the loss of hope of restored relationship. I took on financial pressure with buying my first home in 30 years and it was it was it was unbearable actually but I knew if I just kept moving forward and I had to wake up every day and I had to tell the devil devil this cancer can't kill me loss of my dad can't affect me I am taking territory from you I am more than a conqueror I am a winner I am a champion you're gonna have to kill me to stop me. That's what we need to get inside of us. Whatever you're facing. And this is how Rocky finishes the speech to his son. And I want you to think of God finishing his speech to you. He says, 
I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens, you're my son and you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't going to have a life. That's what this message is about. It's about believing in you, believing in God, believing who God says you are, believing in your identity, your God-given identity. God wants you to discover it. This church wants you to discover it. Your connect group, your cherished group, your emerge group, they want you to discover your God-given identity. I'm 53 years young, and I found my identity, and I consider all that other stuff was training ground. Do you know our Savior spent 30 years training and he had a three-year ministry? So when you discover your identity, all that other stuff in the past has just been your training ground to test you, to train you, to equip you, to give you perseverance. You're still standing. You're still here. You're still in God's house. God has got greatness for you. And just in case you ever lose your way, I went through the Bible and I found 31 verses to let you know your true identity. One for every day of the month. So take a look at that list right there. You are chosen. You're a new person. You are protected by God. God loves you no matter what. Jesus gives you true joy. You're an heir of God. You are treasured by God. God understands you. I need you to start getting into this word, discovering your true identity, discovering your worth, discovering your value, discovering the love letter that God wrote to every one of us. When you start reading it, God starts talking. You hear that still small voice, the Holy Spirit said, get up, mighty man of valor. Get up, warrior. Get up, daughter. You are a queen. You are made for greatness. I don't care your past failures. I'm going to see you as who you were called to be. That's what we need to get inside of us. If everyone could just close their eyes and bow their head, I wanna pray for a couple people as we come to a close. Number one is, in order to get that God identity, you have to do one thing. You have to receive his son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and savior. Everything I spoke about today is on the other side of you making that one vital choice of who you're gonna put your faith, hope, and trust in. So if that's you today, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, or perhaps you once did, maybe you've got a prodigal son or daughter experience. You once knew Christ, but you walked away. Your life didn't end up the way you thought it was, but you're here today. You're in God's house. God can restore you. He can redeem you. So if there's anybody in this room, I don't want you to leave today without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. There we go. Up there, gentlemen. I love it. Love it. All over this room. All over this room. Saw your hand earlier. Yes. Thank you. We're going to linger. This is a big room. God's got a big heaven. He would be missing you. Yes, I see you up there. Thank you. Thank you. He would be missing you if you don't take this moment. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow looks like, but we have this one moment to lock in eternity. Yes, see you up there, see you up there. See you up there, yes, awesome. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? God is waiting. He's been pursuing you your whole life for this moment. It's the greatest moment I've ever, greatest decision I've ever made in my life. I remember it like it was yesterday. 
because that's when I became God's son, God's fighter, God's warrior. That's when I locked in eternity. Yes, up here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Is there anybody else? All right. All right. Well, hey, I want you to just repeat after me. Everybody in the room, repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sin, and I promise to live a new life and discover your identity of me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.